Hello humans, you're listening to Conversation 6 of Anthology 3 of the Lucid Dreaming Podcast. A space for reverie, for conversation and exchange with moving image makers and artists from all over the world. Hosted by author and film curator Pamela Cohn. Here we are in 2021, we can fast forward to rewind and begin to play where it has begun. Hello dreamers, welcome to the Lucid Dreaming Podcast. I'm Pamela Cohn. In this episode, I'm very pleased to welcome Yin Zhu Shen. I've known Yin Zhu and have deeply admired her multivalent video and installation work for many years, initially meeting her through her husband, filmmaker James T. Hong. Yin Zhu and James often work together as an interdisciplinary art team, as well as creating individual bodies of work. In March of 2011, which now seems like an eon ago, I hosted Yin Chu and James in Berlin to showcase some of their work as part of a screening series I ran back then called Kino Satellite. Not long after that, the couple moved back to Yin Chu's hometown of Taipei, where they currently reside. Over the past decade, Yin Chu has consistently expanded her repertoire of explorations, wherein she interprets social power structures and troubles historicity through cosmological systems in the known galaxy, including the zodiac, sacred geometries or mandalas, and alchemical symbols, orienting her gaze ever outward into the ether of the larger universe, as she considers the greater historical movements of the 20th and 21st centuries. Oftentimes, the point of view is that of extraterrestrial intelligences observing us earthlings and finding us consistently trundling down roads of nationalism, imperialism, state violence, totalitarianism, utopian formations, and collective thinking. In other words, considerably moving in the absolute wrong direction, precisely because most of us are never fully awake to the idea that our planet's health and happiness is just as vital to unseen forces as it should be for us. Her latest works investigate the material effects of spiritual shamanic practices and the metaphysical potentialities of consciousness. Sonic Driving is a work-in-progress installation commissioned for the 13th Gwangju Biennial 2021 in South Korea. Made in partnership with artist Lin Lee Chun, Sonic Driving consists of watercolor drawings and hand-drawn pencil sketches, representing the lower world, video, expressing the shaman's upper world, and an original score of drum beats, representing the middle world. Just this past year alone, Yin Zhu has made work for the Taipei Biennial, which runs until March 2021, Synchronic Encounters Between Art, Technology, and Mysticism in Taiwan, and the Meditations Biennial, Events Horizon in Poland. In each installation or world build, Yin Zhu has an unerring talent for creating various realms of expression that are simultaneous, integral, and mutually respectful, as they collide and resonate one off the other. Vision, sound, and the invitation to task your brain with enough pliability to embrace the interconnectedness of all things. Surveying and investigating altered states of consciousness through an occultist lens is part and parcel of the ways in which Yin Chu presents her findings. Mysterious, visually and photographically stunning, with high and low notes of both ominousness and humor, her video and installation works extract and extrapolate threads from the chaotic morass of humankind's larger historical movements by traversing infinite swaths of the time-space continuum. 
Through research and personal experience, Yin Chu believes that altered states of consciousness play fundamental roles in the maintenance of our human social fabric, particularly when it comes to linkages with the spiritual realm. It is all, literally, written in the movement of the planets and the cold gaze and alignment of the stars above us if we care to tune in to higher frequencies. Yin Chu has become an adept in this realm, attaining ever-expanding levels of aptitude, consciousness, and knowledge in her art practice. Welcome to the Lucid Dreaming Podcast, Yin Chu. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, my pleasure. It's been a while <laughs> since the two of yeah. us have, yeah. have connected. It's been long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to start with the bigger sort of notions and ideas around the work you've been doing specifically in the last decade, um, working with James, working solo, working with other artists. And I'm later in the conversation, I am really interested in these new correspondences in terms of your collaborators and the kinds of ways in which you world build for each piece that you embark upon. But this notion of um, this tradition of, of illumination and in, in a lot of ways, sudden illumination where certain um, we, we seek knowledge in certain ways um, knowledge about what we can't necessarily see, touch, and hear in this realm. And I think that I think about the ways in which this connects to your art practice because it's a very um, long process in terms of your research, but it's also about your personal experience. And I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit about how those two collide. Um, I, I want to scroll back a little bit, in fact, and start with End Transmission. Um, this was a 16-minute piece you made in 2010, almost exactly a decade ago, and sort of scroll forward through, through the various ways in which you've grappled with this human cosmic interconnectedness. Um, and why certain moments in history keep resonating so strongly. So I guess this first question is a bit personal, but have you, was there a moment where in terms of the way you evolved in your art practice, where, where those things collided? Like what did that information tell you in terms of, I guess the optimal way to communicate these thoughts, because they're not difficult to wrap your mind around, but they're difficult to think about if you haven't experienced it yourself. Um, so if you could just maybe start with end transmission and the way in which your point of view is that of an extraterrestrial intelligence looking on our planet and interpreting the issues and the problems and the, the um, difficulties um, that we keep running into as a species over and over and over again. Um, for end transmission, yes, it has been a long time ago. Um, 
from at the beginning it was talking about the European colonization. Colonization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, that time we moved to Netherlands, and then there was one time I was I walked by uh, Amsterdam Central, and then I saw there's um they use this type of fabric to the a plastic fabric to cover up whatever they're built they they they're under construction and now I saw the huge pictures on that fabric it says the golden age mm. yeah and it's like a glorified this uh like um uh discover discovering the other lands other people's lands and then occupied it and then for them to up still now for them is still like a golden age but actually it was other people's dark age yeah so this idea and this idea i had it in mind and then and i went back to rex academy and i had lunch or dinner with my fellow artists and then they were also talking about oh yeah this is the golden age i was like what 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 kind of, what century are you living so um so this i this this concept is still around yeah and then and then so we got this footage when we lived in berlin we we traveled in the industrial parks and uh, some places other people wouldn't go and um we uh we filmed first when we filmed the footage that at the moment we didn't know what we should do what should we do about this footage and then then a year later two years later and this idea coming up by uh, just looking at this uh, huge banner huge drawings of this uh, all the ships are going to Southeast Asia, I guess, and then glorifying their adventure, and then then things started to come together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This 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 disconnect often between um, ways in which certain cultures process information. You know, there there is this um, there are these myths. I think you know, in in human thinking, where we can look at something that's clearly um, a fabrication, clearly some kind of um, top-level message, if you will. Um, and what I find so fascinating is that there's this way in which um, we, at least in, in the Western tradition, can so easily unlock our emotional and intelligent um, knowing, our internal knowing, and sort of subsume that to the top level message of what we're being told by our leaders, by our politicians. Um, and in your work, especially like extra stellar evaluations, you start, you really concentrate and focus on this era of the 1960s both when there was so there were so many um terrible things being torn down while at the same time it seemed like there was this experimentation and expanding 
consciousness. You know, those, those two things sort of reside side by side. So when you think about, um, for instance, the way in which you might draw the mandalas or the, the sacred symbols um, that help you communicate these messages, um, is that steeped in hard research? Is that steeped in purely um, emotional exploration? Or is it sort of a combination of both? Do the two, do the two aspects of those things collide somehow and show you visually and orally what it is supposed to look and feel like? Um, because these are things that are almost impossible to visualize, and yet you keep doing it to such beautiful effect over and over and over again. Um, I wanna I wanna say something about entrance mission very quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. And, uh, and also, 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 I saw at the moment when I was working on this footage, I saw one uh, one sentence that Doctor Hawking said. Yes. He said, "If aliens ever visit us, the outcome will be much as when Christopher Columbus landed in America." which didn't turn out well for the Native Americans. Yeah. So that's a, that's when everything comes together for this project and transmission. Mm-hmm. And then later later years that um, when I started to introduce this uh, mysticism or occultism to my work, um, there's a one crucial things happened in my life um that i had i was very sick and i had to went through the surgery when i remember when the doctor showed me the blood test and then the numbers the reports and then he i I probably asked him about like five six times please repeat again repeat again and then eventually um i realized at the moment i it wasn't me that it wasn't me who didn't understand the reports, medical reports. It was like it was it was more like uh I don't under I didn't understand why it happened to me. Yeah. So I couldn't I, I really couldn't accept whatever he said, the doctor said mm-hmm. this and this and that and that. I understand I got it. Yeah, I got it in in few years, if I don't deal with it, it's gonna be cancer and all that. I got it, but it, he didn't. He still didn't answer my questions. And then so, and then I think that was second day, so it's the day after. I took at the time I couldn't read astrology, but I took my chart. I I calculated my chart from internet anyway, and I printed out, and I I showed it to my friend who could read the chart. And I asked, and I, I, I just told him, uh, can you explain my whatever you read from the chart? Mm-hmm. And then you know the astro chart looks like a mandala, you know. Yeah, and then, <clears throat> and then he explained. Uh, he was like, okay, the your Pisces and then stuff like that, and then, but um, but out of nowhere, he told me you're. Be careful because you probably have to go through surgery in the next three weeks. And I was like, "What? How did you know?" And that was the moment um, I started to 
uh, get in touch with this um, all this uh, like first first was astrology and then I got very good textbooks and then in that book it's not talking about skills it's talking about the elements the as above so below and then the, the universe the relationship between the planets and the earth and then in also the other thing is the background that I'm from like in Taiwan um going to shrinks are not very popular Mm-hmm. It's Western idea, mm-hmm. yeah. In Taiwan, if you are in deep depression, usually you go to fortune teller mm-hmm. or you go to temples. Yeah, mm-hmm. you pray. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then that's why I the first thing I got is like, okay, I gotta, I wanna, I want someone read my fortune, my future. Yeah, and then, and then, but when he say that, it, like so accurate, so specific, like. You're going. You're going to be uh, go through the surgery in three weeks, and I was like in shock, you know. And um, um, and then because I didn't have any money, I want to. I want the second fortune teller or the third one to tell me to to read my chart too. Because but I didn't have any money; it's quite expensive. And then so I I was okay. I'm going to learn it. I'm going to learn it by myself. Yeah, that's why I started to uh, study astrology, and then, and then again, then it it just it's not only about like your sun in Pisces, your romantic. It's more than that. It's more like a mythological background and the reason, and then the, why Pisces is this way, and then this and that, and then the, how this uh, stars. Around mm-hmm. us, yeah, influenced us in our daily life, and because that's my daily practice, so obviously uh, I would uh, uh, represent it in my artwork. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, in in reference to the cycles of work that that cropped up, you know, in these sort of dualities, trilogies, I mean, the ways in which there are these core ideas that you, that keep expanding, um, mostly again, through personal experience, through research, through, through, um, you know, learning, you know, through the mind, but then you also have these more, these experiences that are grounded in spirituality. And I'm wondering, you're an extremely talented artist. Um, you you can draw. I mean, I'm looking at some of these renderings behind you. Um, you. They're really, really beautiful. And they're, they're not abstract, in fact. I mean, you're taking abstract thoughts, but somehow you're grounding them um, with pencil and paper, with watercolor. I mean, whatever your hand is sort of, you know, feels comfortable creating, but, um, and, and as well, you know, the cinematography in your pieces is, is also strikingly beautiful. So you've got this beauty, you know, and I think this is very key to your work because you've got this, um, beauty, you know, this, this way in which, um, your artistic talent allows you to have this multivalent approach where you can shoot, you can draw, you can work with sound, you work with texts. Um, And 
maybe you can talk about particularly about one universe, one God, one nation um, in this context. I think it's actually one of your most, um, I would say, disturbing films. Um, I mean, a lot of, much of it has this imagery um, that keeps colliding in the sense of um, these inescapable cycles that seem to happen over and over and over again. And in my lifetime, I mean, you know, I, I, I think I have, you know, a lot of, a lot more time on this planet than you do. And there's a sense for me of despair a lot of the time because, um, even if we are open to other intelligences, that always takes a backseat to our own faulty um, ways of dealing with adversity. And that always seems to come through, I would say, um, you know, these certain levels, these certain systems where certain populations are um, the conqueror and other populations are the conquered. Um, but in this case, it happens within, um, it happens on, on the face of it with, with Chiang Kai-shek and you, you read his astrological, you know, chart and you use him, this, this sort of military leader, revolutionary, um, that changed the face of, of everything, um, through his, uh, the force of his personality. Um, can you can you talk a little bit about how you um, weighted those different elements um, and decided about you know which which pieces of archive you would work with and how those juxtaposed themselves um, beside our journey into space or our journey up into the stars where you're literally showing us how those how those stars align. Um, it, it's quite a, it, it, there's such big ideas, it's hard to grasp, but if you would talk a little bit about the world build that you wanted there, um, and why that was so important for you to juxtapose one leader or one person's power centers around the actions, you know, that followed for a whole, um, a, a huge part of the population. In my generation, this dictator, Chiang Kai-shek, plays very crucial roles throughout my education. Mm -hmm. yeah, not, not the young people anymore now, but in my generation, yes. And then um, he was the god for us. And then even though he was already, like, I don't know where, <laughs> not in this world. Yeah, so at the beginning of the this two channel, three channel video work is that you see the 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 uh, small white uh, smoke like spirit, mm -hmm. like uh, ascending to the space, mm -hmm. but still around us. Mm -hmm. And uh, for me, it's um it's Chiang Kai Shek because he's the the spirit the ghost in our background even on our money the bill the paper bill is still there and then this person for my mom is a hero for me is a dictator mm -hmm. and then but for the young generation who is this person yeah and then but he 
the the destiny, the fate of Taiwan after the war depend depended on this person. Yeah. And then that that year when I made it, I was the uh, first year I moved back to Taipei after 10 years mm-hmm. overseas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to work on work on some um something that's haunting the society. Every time when there's a political election, it, every time when they run elections, and it's always about this China, Taiwan, China, Taiwan, and then there's a crucial person still around, like haunting mm-hmm. everyone, Chiang Kai-shek, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, but there are many artists already, the writers, filmmakers, uh, visual artists, painters, uh, musicians, they, they have already worked on this topic, Chiang Kai-shek. I was thinking, how would I do something different, differently than other artists? And then, then it's it was quite similar to end transmission. The the view, I I switched the view to the outer space. Mm-hmm. If the planets, the sun, for example, represent power, right? If the sun has the consciousness. How would how would they think about Chiang Kai Shek, and then also other planets, the Pluto? Yeah, that's how I started to work on this project. But um, at the beginning, I didn't put in an astro- astrological reading in this work. It was after discussing with curator back and forth, and then he kind of pushed me that's that's a wonderful thing to work with uh, a curator that who is who can be like really pushy mm-hmm. because I think I look back I saw I think he saw my potential but he also knew what I was afraid of mm-hmm. because I was afraid if I in this uh, high art realm if I put in astrology there's a popular pop culture that people will look down on me but he pushed me and then he he said, you got to put it back. Yeah, it was there before. And I cut it out. And uh, and then we're like exchanging our deals. And <laughs> Okay, then, then you have to tell me your birth chart. And, and then I'll put it back. All that. Yeah. <laughs> and then in the end, he was right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was very glad I got this uh, super pushy curator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
it would be nice for you to talk about as well. I mean, a lot of your, a lot of these cycles of work or a lot of these pieces or a lot of, they really are world builds because your installations um, often consist of much more than video. You know, there's, there are two, three channels of video playing, but there is the apparatus around that too, that the objects in fact, or something much more tangible um, that, that um, someone can tap into. And, you know, I want to just kind of like move up in time a little bit to your more recent works where, you know, you and James um, gave yourself the title of decoders for end transmission. Like, it wasn't directed by you. It was more like, right, you were acting as the conduit for this information that was coming from intelligences that, you know, were um, taking charge, <laughs> in a sense. Um, so as you're moving through these different experiences, as you're starting to work with shamans, as you're starting to work with you know, you you yourself, in a way, are being trained as a spiritual guide. I think that's part of your work, um, a spiritual guide for your own purposes, but also something to imbue with your art and to share with other people. Um, but I would love for you to talk about how, in your art making, you take these spiritual experiences or these physical transformations um of you know whether it's drinking ayahuasca whether it's you know um at the side of a shaman who's interpreting and who's sort of the conduit between you know this plane and another plane um what is that aspiration feel like in terms of what you want to communicate in your work um because it's it goes beyond i think connection it goes it goes to the heart of how we ourselves interpret our own stories as a species i mean we we do it personally but i often wonder why these cycles of history seem to be on this weird repeat button and what that what maybe what you've learned about why that is and if there is some release from that if in your artwork you're sort of searching for that moment when um, we as a species would let go enough to really learn what we need to learn. Um, because the lesson is just not taking. It's just, it's, it's not penetrating some, I, I just, I'm trying to, to sort of get you to talk about addressing these governmental entities we have to deal with and i don't know this vocabulary we're used to using as you alluded to in the very beginning the golden age the the, the sort of aspirational way in which we can transform ourselves um and in this latest work in in your work in progress um you are working with this shaman that i guess is your do you have a personal shaman do you tend to connect with one person and, and, 
you know, develop a relationship with her in terms of her also understanding what you're trying to say through your art um, and through the way in which you communicate, um, particularly through sound, but also particularly through your drawings. Um, if you can, you know, say where you are now in that process, this is for the Guangxu Biennial, um, so it's imminent, um, and how you take your own ideas and meld them with these other entities that are guiding you, in fact. Before I made notes on psychedelics too, inside mm -hmm. the memorial, mem inside the memorial, <laughs> notes on psychedelics too. Okay, before I... <laughs> Work on that. Uh, the the topics around my works are you can see my interest in the history, yeah. And then, like you said, is that the history like has a a repeat button. When you study more, and then you realize that human being is a whole entity, repeat and repeat the same terrible situations, yeah, over and over again, yeah. When I looked inside myself, I do the same thing. I made the same mistakes over and over again. Yeah. And then why don't I look inside myself? And then I got a chance to, when I worked on, in 2015, when I worked on the Notes on Psychedelics 1, mm -hmm. I interviewed a shaman. Mm -hmm. Um And then he, he explained what is ayahuasca and this and that like a textbook and then that's fine he he was great he's great and then um but that moment i already met the shaman i'm working with now marina mm -hmm. yeah and then now i think it was three years later she messaged me that in these three years we didn't really talk yeah she messaged me and then she said she got a message she got a message not like the message we do, but the message from above. <laughs> yeah, that she, that, that um, whatever uh, spirits that was, uh, that spirit wanted her to contact me. So then we reconnect again. And we immediately uh, become good friends. Mm -hmm. And then she shared what she knows about ayahuasca and then also the the shamanic drumming, mm -hmm. core shamanism. And then I went to her classes too. And that really, really opened my um, real vision. Not the vision that we see here and there, but like inside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I started to realize inside our brain is... Uh, bigger than we thought it's like a vast yeah it's uh no limit and then you can you can fly all over like as artists you fly all over and then you're going to here and there to europe to to latin america you shows and all that you thought it's far away no it's, it, it, you, you can just i can just sit here and then start getting to trance that's if that 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 world in our own mind bigger, vast, incredible. Yeah, mm. you don't even, yeah, it's prettier. 
and it's inside you. And um, one of the practices I did was the ayahuasca dieta. Like I say, um, I made the mistakes over and over again. I could make the mistakes, repeat the mistakes like last month or 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Yeah, never changed. And then I don't know how to change it because I want to avoid it. Mm-hmm. And I'm right. I'm always right. There's no problem. Yeah. But for example, and then, but during the dieta, the spirit of ayahuasca just show you at your face <laughs> during your dreams. This one, you are jealousy type. Face it. Admit it. Then I feel better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, as an example, so um, the later practice uh, is more like a research, not from the, the research started to turn the directions into mm-hmm. myself. Yeah, to the core of the heart, not the brain, because you have to connect this then you can see the beautiful world in a, um, in a way the shaman explained this uh, uh, shamanic cosmology, the upper world, middle world, and lower world, yeah. And um, if your your heart is not open, I don't think you can see it. Yeah, mm-hmm. everyone has potential and it's super easy, the method to get into trance by drumming, but if it's, close the heart is closed and it won't connect to the brain and then nothing will work that's my idea that's my theory i don't know mm-hmm. yeah um um then then that was uh notes on psychedelics too that the ayahuasca my my first ayahuasca experience mm-hmm. i don't really like this work but this work is quite like a turning point for my practice recently. What what what, um, what don't you like about it? I mean, what is it about it that that doesn't please you? I think I could have uh, talked about uh, inside work better than just talking about ayahuasca. Nowadays, if you talk about shaman ayahuasca, it's like so trendy, mm. and then and then the people people would just like it because oh, this work is about ayahuasca. Right, but what I really want to work on this topic is more or less like the um, the feeling I got from William Blake's drawings and paintings. It's not what you see; it's more what you learn. It's mm-hmm. also what Marina told me, my shaman friend. Yeah, because unless you're extremely reasonable and logical, pretty much everybody. After drinking ayahuasca, you can see visions, yeah. But that's not the point, right. yeah. And then um, you can see from Blake's drawings and paintings, he's like really working with the spirits he saw. Yeah, that's what I want. And then I want to learn more from the spirits. Um, that's why I don't. Well, this this work visually is very beautiful, and then the later on I. I uh, I put um, uh, my friend's thing inside. 
have you discovered maybe that let's say video since you've been working in video for a really long time and that's sort of been the representation of of your storytelling um and the limits of that the limits of that sort of 2d um world you know that most gallery spaces inhabit um there's you know you're talking about states of being that you know we don't understand with our logical minds we don't understand with our sort of you know everyday thinking brains so i'm wondering in terms of your practice i mean has this ability that you're or your this discipline i would imagine it would it would be more than an ability since you're saying we all have this ability built in already um but this discipline of of getting access to that um in in more and more you know economical ways um and and more direct ways and and how that influences how you might talk about those things that you also talk about which is this historicity which is this this um these cycles um larger cycles is that kind of are those ideas kind of taking a back seat to more i would say personal or individual um experiences because for me i find that the more personal and direct it is the more universal it is um and it's it's interesting because your your work always deals with the universe. It always has dealt with the larger universe um, and the ways in which we grapple with all of those mysteries. So I'm very curious to know in terms of your art practice and in terms of how you put pieces together, particularly if you're invited, particularly, right, if there's already a structure, perhaps there's already a theme, there's a curator who has a very definitive idea of, of how things will look and feel in the exhibition space. Um, how do you reconcile all of that? Do you, do you use that as a challenge to, to expand upon that? Or do you find yourself really needing to think about changing your your sandbox, your your playthings, your tools um, that you might use. Writing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like the messy notes and drawings of the lower world that was at the beginning. Nothing was formed with that mm -hmm. work. Like what you see in the background now, nothing is formed. I was just like whatever just draw yeah um studying the book the whatever about shamanism cosmology their cosmology and then when when people ask me what i'm working on at the moment i remember at that time i was i, I told i was telling people i i'm practicing getting to trance every day yeah, just by drumming. Mm -hmm. And then that'll be my project. Yeah. Yeah. I, mm, I think uh, being artist, honesty is very important. Yeah. So that's what I do. Yeah. I'm just like trying to get into trends every day and put it in my practice. Yeah. That's what I do. And um, uh, 
uh, what I'm saying is that I'm not trying to say I wasn't trying to say um, the things that I I I I don't really do. Yeah, I'm just saying what I do, and I'm very practical in a very practical way. Not trying to not not trying to make the shamanism so mysterious and mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I think I think um, maybe I can put it in this way. I think these topics coming to me instead of me going after this. Yeah, because there were many chances I could take. I could have took ayahuasca experience, but I just didn't feel right. But then is this uh, shamanic mm-hmm. drumming experience. The trans, the the cosmology, and then when I was like working on the lower, the map of the lower world, my lower world, and then that was a chance to go to Siberia. Siberian shamans, they're dealing with the upper world, which I'm not very familiar with, and then it's coming to me, yeah. So then I went, I filmed. The the in Mongolia and Siberia the skies they believe they, they believe in sky tangerism, and then and then the sky has emotions has language and then I got it yes mm-hmm. because this is really the only thing you can see is the sky yeah and then the, the yeah the the open field yes the middle world is our world right yeah we're but we are living in our dimension in a middle world and then uh, I could sometimes I could sense yeah. the different dimensions in our world but then the discipline came to me the discipline is the show then you have a deadline yeah and then because of the exhibition I have to mm-hmm. write I have to write a proposal to organize everything super chaotic and messy in my in my mind, now whatever I'm working on, then through writing, that I mm-hmm. organize like uh, the mm-hmm. I organize many thoughts and then put things together, and then to even because I I I, re- I really doing workshops, but so I invite Marina to to complete this work better to run workshops because the viewers will come to our installation, they will see. The lower world, the maps of lower world, my lower world, and then also the video of the upper world, my journey, and then the the show itself, us is the middle world. Also the the drumming sound, we're going to make seven point one surrounding, and then the drumming inside the gallery space is out is the middle world. But what if, like I say, that everyone has this ability mm-hmm. to get into trance? Yeah. So my shaman friends will lead the workshops to complete this work even better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The viewers not only seeing the uh, representation of co- uh, shamanic cosmology, but also the experiences. Yes. No, it makes perfect sense. And it also sort of... I think in a way puts the notion of a biennial or a spectator entering an, an art space, a high art space, um, 
you know, where all of these different artists and their works are um, residing side by side. And sometimes, you know, when you wander through a larger exhibition, there are these collisions that happen. Um, and I, I guess without these structures, without the apparatus in a way of the organizing principles also of, you know, the yeah. larger art world, which is also struggling, I think, to get back to basics, to get back to, you know, this sort of real, to what's essential. Um, I, I, I think, you know, I look at your work and I, I see beauty and I see rhythm and I see things to emotionally engage with, but I also see this sort of opportunity to talk about the fundamentals that have gone missing um, and why we always feel so far away from whatever it is we're experiencing. Um, so, I mean, let's say you didn't have this structure. Let's say you didn't have this not just physical structure of the exhibition space, but the overall structure of the way, you know, art is shown, how it's disseminated, how it's shared with spectators. Um, I mean, we won't talk about the, um, you know, specific uh, circumstance we're in now, but if you think about the way we're all detached physically, <laughs> And the only way at the moment we have is to communicate as these kind of talking head, you know, entities. Um, I'm just wondering moving forward, you know, and, and having been in this milieu for a while now um, and understanding the way it works, where, where that might, what might the departure point be in a sense for you to go back to a more essential way of making art. You know what I mean? It's, it's world building is an adventure, but how far does that adventure take you? You know, how far does that, you know, um, how to say urge or impulse, you know, to make art and to show art and to share art, like where is that in this constellation um, in terms of importance, in terms of, of our growth as a species? Actually, I'm not sure I can answer that because I'm thinking about the same thing at the moment. But I can share a bit that what I'm working on next. Maybe that can answer your question. Doing research on charms and spills yeah, if our human mind is that powerful, mm -hmm. and then if our hearts could be pure, mm -hmm. and then to connect mind and heart, and then then I think the casting charm is possible. And again, this is a super ancient technique. It's from the it's from it's before the religion. It started from Taoism as a philosophical thinking rather than a religion itself. To put it simple, Taoism is more or less asking people to think about the nature, to relax, yeah, to believe that um, human and then the earth and in the sky, the universe are the one, yeah. 
And then when this slowly became a religion, a local religion, a natural born religion in China, long time ago, like, um, of course, if there's a religion, there's a ceremony, and there's a, a, a witch or shaman will handle the ceremony, and then there will be uh, spells or charms because then because this religion is serve people, and then and then if you want if you want to have like a ten sons, yeah, at the time people only like men, right? Uh, you want to have ten sons, and then you cast spell. Yeah, you put the charms on this family and then you can have 10 sons. Yeah. <laughs> and then, then I realized because when every time when I when I'm doing Ricky to other people, I also have to do charms. I didn't know that. Now I'm like, okay, I'm actually I'm actually casting spells on other people already. The symbol of love. Yeah. The uni the love from the universe. And then you you connect you're you're the channel you connect uh, mm. you connect the you the love of universe to this per people this this person this person I'm like uh, sending chi to and later uh, recent years I realized that mm -hmm. to work on shamanism to work on astrology and um, all everything that is I practice in my life then you have to really know it become a practitioner. Instead of always an outside an outsider or researchers yeah. and then showing your research, that's fine. I have no problem with that, but it doesn't work on me. Yeah, yeah. I have to become like I'm not a mm. shaman, but I have to practice mm. to get into trance. Uh, trance and and then why go into the different world? You have mm -hmm. a reason. You you have to ask questions to your power animal, your spiritual guide. Yeah, what kind of questions? Any kind. Yeah, and then you got the image. You come back to our world. You translate the image to whoever came to ask me. And then what's the what's the notion of doing this type of practice to heal people, to heal yourself? Yeah, and then I think that's the power of uh, um, being an artist too, because the work can reach further. Yeah. When you put work out into the world, of course, there are a whole battery of people whose job it is to interpret that and to critique it and to sort of share with us what might be going on. Um, but I would contend that, you know, in watching your work from, you know, this, I guess, evolution of your work more, more accurately, um, is that, you know, this way in in which you want to interpret what it is you're sharing with people seems to be more more and more multi-dimensional it's not just leaving it in an exhibition space and and letting someone have at it but as you were describing it's sort of you know um being the conduit you know being being the helper <laughs> being being the assistant you know to to you know, these other kinds of transformations. And it is, you know, when you talk about Blake or you talk about William Blake or you talk about other artists who put out of body of work in this state of mind, um, 
I don't know, for me, it just brings up a lot of questions about art making in general and how perhaps that's part of the issue of artwork that might be too malleable, might be too open to interpretation. Um, and, and that to be more specific and more directed as you're continuing to do, um, does in fact make the work much richer. Um, but it's a work that's experiential. You know, you can't, you can't detach yourself from it. Um, and, and I think again, you know, in, in the modern context, this, this practice of critiquing, this practice of keeping something at arm's length so you can talk about it in a more logical or um, frontal brain type of way, um, you know, may be to the detriment of a practice. It may be, you know, I just, I kind of foresee, I'm, I'm very excited when I hear you talking about all this stuff because I don't know what it looks like and I don't think you do either, but there's, there's this possibility for expansion that I find very um, vital <laughs> to our survival, you know, very sort of vital to our well-being and how we might continue to be creative, you know, in the midst of what we live with every day. Looking inside, I think it's, if you cannot go outside, you look inside. Yeah. I want to add something like quite, I think I thought it's interesting. Like I can read astrology, right? Astral chart, yeah. And then um, I think there are three major elements in my major thing in my personal chart. I think that makes me as an artist. Yeah, I have um, in my chart, it's only my chart. The strong, um, like, uh, like three words, art, depression, and healing. <laughs> yeah from my chart, yeah. And um, I've been through the depression, but that's okay, yeah. That only make me stronger and I work on it, yeah. Also in my art and then, and um, I was uh, trained as an artist since I was a kid. That's no problem, so I can draw very well, yeah. And, um, Healing is new because how to heal, this word exists because you are wounded. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, to heal others, you gotta heal yourself. And I'm, I'm sort of like in, I'm healing myself, but I'm also helping others. Yeah. And um, I think in um, this way kind of, um, make me uh give it give it, it, it give me strength yeah and then so um yeah that's what i want to add yeah thank you thank you very much for this hour it was really delightful to reconnect with you after all this time that's all for this episode thank you for listening we will return next week with a conversation with Lawrence Legg. Lucid Dreaming is a production of Lono Studio, hosted by Pamela Cohn. If this is your first time listening, do hit like, subscribe. Thanks again for listening. Goodbye, Goodbye dreams. dreams.